I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And I'm Liz Lerner. And we love to watch. We love to watch a pummel horse live up to its name. Hey guys, and I want to immediately voice my complete approval of the pummel horse pun (laughs) that never came to my mind, and I'm usually right on top of those, and I'm very impressed. So what's funny is that, and I'm going to ruin, I'm going to shatter the glass that you, either of you should be impressed with me, and that is, I thought they were the same word until Peter said... Uh, Peter said, oh, that's a very clever pun that you've come up with, me not knowing that uh, they were different words. <laughs> I am a okay. fraud. I'm a pun right, well, fraud. <laughs> you know, you you got to appreciate the honesty. Um, I'm, I don't, like, I know those are different words, but if you ask me what pommel means, I don't really know, so I, I can't really judge. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to accept this. Yeah, so we were really excited to have Liz on. We were going to have her on the Super Mario episode. Something came up. I actually think Jim Cotta is probably a more exciting episode to be on. Little did we know that she had uh, learned to make GIFs. GIFs, GIFs, just because of this movie. So this this turned out to be... Just exclusively to capture the wonderful uh, spinning European... A vaguely Russian Gerard <laughs> Depardieu-looking gentleman yes. from this movie, who we will talk about at length later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, this turned out to be extremely, as you can tell, very serendipitous that uh, this was just the month we ended up doing uh, as as we got her got her back on. Uh, I should also say, for all, all of you listeners that hate our show, uh, Liz is at least 50% responsible for this podcast. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't know. She. I think I may have mentioned it to you at one point, uh, but uh, it's because Peter and I were kind of joking about a podcast, but we're like, well, we don't know how to do this. And Liz organized this kind of uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 thing that, um, that I ended up joining and had a lot of fun with. Uh, it was a blast to watch A Thief in the Night over and over. So many again. times. <laughs> but she, she was taught me how to use audacity to the point that like when she was like send me the files i literally sent her the data files <laughs> through email yeah. unzip because i didn't know what she meant because she walked us, me through all this that then i went back to peter and i'm like i think i got how we can do this so uh <laughs> credit and blame both equally go go to liz for this podcast well. I always wanted to have a legacy. I guess this is as good as any. <laughs> that Thief in the Night, we need to get back on that. I, I, We need to do that because that movie is absolutely perfect for it because it is a very funny movie. And if we put it up on YouTube, no one will sue. Yes. <laughs> optimal choice for a movie. I think I could probably still sing that opening song. Oh, my, I probably could too. I think we could all just sing it <laughs> together. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, do you guys want to do a little duet and I can jump in whatever? If we sang the opening song, which of the two of us would have to sadly look at the ground? 
I think the question is which one of us would have to be out of tune? Would it have to be you or me? Because actually, yes, it would have to be that because no one could sing in tune in that song. Yeah. if you can imagine like a a balloon almost out of air but trying to muster up whatever energy it has left to get out noises that is what the singing sounds like life was filled with guns and war and everyone got trampled on the floor I wish we'd all been ready children died Singing is a very loose term. So, so before we get going, uh, we want to. It was Sproxing, right? Yeah, it was. It was, it was very. Weyburn inspired. It was musical exhaling. <laughs> um, so before we get going too much so that our audience can get to know Liz, obviously we know Liz pretty well, but we want to do our uh, patented segment, Three Things About Yourself. Liz, go right ahead. Share th- any three things that you want about yourself. Okay. Three things to share about myself. First thing, probably should get off the bat if you're wondering why. This person has a not deep, maybe deep for a Midwesterner, but a sort of moderately pitched voice. I'm transgender. Hey, it's just easier to explain that instead of wondering <laughs> what's going on this entire <laughs> recording podcast. Um, let's see what else, because I forgot about this. Um, two. We'd also, we also told you like 10 seconds before we got on mic. <laughs> no, you told me a while ago and my brain doesn't work. Um, <laughs> oh, you're something in common. <laughs> <laughs> I should be in the village of the crazies, really. Uh, that's why I'm wearing a face on the back of my face. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's in my notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about that guy at length. Um, two... Uh, I am blind in one eye. I'm technically a cyclops, so I can't see 3D movies, which is why I like to watch old movies, because I don't have to feel bad about not seeing the 3D. <laughs> um, you, I mean, that's a, almost an advantage of, of not being able to see in two eyes, is that you don't have to sit through the horribleness of 3D movies. <laughs> okay. You know what? In general, I agree with you. But last year, Godard is my favorite filmmaker. <laughs> and... <laughs> Up until last year, no one had really loved one of his movies in like 20 years. And all of a sudden, everyone is pooping themselves about Goodbye the Language (laughs) exclusively because of how great the 3D is. And I'm sitting here like it. I am I'm deeply insulted by the fact that he personally affronted me by making a movie in 3D. So I can't see it. I mean, that uh, almost seems like it could be a topic for a Godard movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, Godard would make a movie just to offend one single person. <laughs> Absolutely. Though. Yeah, that's that's a bummer because uh, I watched I watched Goodbye to Language in 2D on Netflix. <laughs> it loses so much. Like, it's so obvious. Like, the parts it was like, I didn't even need to be told, oh, okay, this part's in 3D, so I could be looking at anything else right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's true it does it's not like hugo where you're like there's a couple shots that pop but like Mm -hmm. you know generally you're okay this is a this is a true like he wanted to fuck around with the form so yeah that's a bummer yeah it is it is frustrating (laughs) Uh, we need to work on peter's bedside manner i think a little bit like that was like (laughs) yeah what a bummer (laughs) um Um, i also uh so i i saw rogue one uh and 
I don't understand. Do people wear two pairs of glasses if you have glasses and you see 3D movies? Do do either of you have glasses? I don't wear glasses. No, but... uh, I um, an ex girlfriend of mine used to wear glasses in, in behind the three D glasses, and she hated it. That was why she never liked seeing three D movies. It, it's like that scene in Airplane, where he has the two <laughs> pairs of glasses on. That's just what I feel like. I'm always ready to make an airplane reference, and the screen, the theater is dark, and I can't make it. It's it, it's <laughs> eternally setting me up for references, and none of my friends have seen it. It. Really, I'm more disappointed about that than the actual lack of 3D that no one gets my airplane reference. Um, <laughs> you just gotta wait like right outside of the of the theater. So you gotta be you gotta sit like the corner seat in the front, and then when it dismisses, just run out that hallway and turn back to all the people exiting <laughs> and just ah, point ah. Hey, hey, the sing I'm doing? Yeah. Um. <laughs> Cinema classic, guys. So uh, we have a couple games for you today. May, may I briefly say my third thing? Oh, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. I'll edit all that <laughs> out. Um, I shouldn't have said that because I couldn't think of one. <laughs> I, I am You're like, the Can worst. I please walk uh, into this bear trap? <laughs> exactly. That I have set for myself. Um, how about this? Uh, I have no plans to ever buy a movie whose title will sort after Z-O-M. Because I want alphabetically the last movie in my DVD collection to always be Zombie Ass Toilet of the Dead. Uh, <laughs> that is permanently at the back end, so to speak, of my DVD collection. Oh, wow. Um, I'm real weak for puns right now, and so this episode is just killing me. <laughs> so, so you, even if Zootopia became your favorite movie, you'd be like... I'm sorry. No, I'm only going to have to digitally rent you. I would have to sort it under Disney's Zootopia. There you go. Um, yeah. Problem solved. Let's see. Where else? What else would be after there? What's? I know there's a movie called ZZZ, right? But I can't. Uh, what yeah. about that movie uh, Zizigy Road uh, that uh, made $12 in the box? Oh, office? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a can't. PBS show called uh, Z- Zabamafu. Oh. Uh, I don't know how to spell that, but <laughs> I do remember that. Um... Zoo, comma, we bought a. <laughs> <laughs> That's his first name, right? It's the main character's name is we bought a zoo. <laughs> so if we're sorting it by author. <laughs> there is a movie with Emilio Estevez. I'm trying to remember what it is, but it's probably better if I don't. And I think it's called Wisdom. And I think his character's name is John Wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's that is what I expect of all movies. I was super disappointed that uh, Carl Rogue One never showed up in the most recent Star Wars movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, so I saw Rogue One in two D, mm-hmm. and then you saw Rogue One in three D. Wait, how'd that work? I saw it in three D, two D, three D, two D. You saw it in two D, two D, and three D. okay perfect uh we could have just switched theaters or you could have come to my theater um but yeah thank you very much for your three facts those were terrific uh so we have two games for you guys today uh liz is one of the only only the third guest ever to take us up on our offer we extend to all guests to uh to come up with a game and bring it on our show for us so all you other guests listening that aren't uh, Zach or Dustin, uh, you should feel ashamed at yourselves. You absolutely should. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but first, we're going to start with uh, a game that Peter and I have. So, and Liz is actually going to be the judge here. So what we're going to do okay. is we've already changed the name of our podcast once. 
Uh, used to be called Listen to Our Podcast for the first 12 episodes. A lot of people had some very negative feedback about that. Uh, Liz, I <laughs> love that name. And everyone who said it was bad is a jerk and a fool. We agree with you, Liz. We yeah. do. Uh, and that's why we are going to – it's a new year. We're gonna we're gonna pick. We have we have some name suggestions that we think encapsulates the spirit of our show. Now that we've done forty episodes, I think we have a good measure of like what our show is about. Uh, so we're gonna each give you five uh, suggestions for a new name that Peter and I have come up with. Liz, you're gonna tell us your thoughts on those, and then at the end, if we were gonna switch names, you need to pick the one that best applies to our show. Sounds good. Peter, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. Let's do it. The first name that I have is the Movie Surfers. Uh, it sounds it's because we surf the web looking for good movies. Um, maybe it is because I was recently talking about that, but uh, that only brings to mind Soul Surfer, the movie about a woman <laughs> who lost an arm but still managed to ski or to oh. to to, uh, to surf. I'm now so, horribly uh, disappointed. That's not about skiing. That's the best it would be switch way better. <laughs> so I would be disappointed that both of you are, are bi-armed. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, uh, both Aaron and I were born um, sort of uh, born without the ability to say anything interesting. Okay. So in a way, we're kind of going through a similar situation. <laughs> what, was a shark also responsible for this? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the part of our brains ate the part of our brains that say interesting things. Um, <laughs> all right. My first one is called uh, New Name for a Show. Uh, socially Acceptable. Oh, my God. A Socially Acceptable. Oh, what is going on? <laughs> a Social Receptacle. <laughs> a Social Receptacle. A Social Receptacle. <laughs> acceptable excuse to drink on a Tuesday. Well, since it took you three times to say it, I think a no problem. <laughs> yeah, no, it seems like I have a problem suddenly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, also going to blame that problem on a shark. <laughs> it's sort of a quint situation, but like I don't <laughs> want to actually go out and see more sharks. I just want to stay on the boat and drink. But yeah, uh, another the other one that I had. All right, five. So, sorry, we've been off for a month, so <laughs> I'm also having trouble talking. Uh, the other one that I had is Cahe uh, du Cinema, the official podcast. Um, the problem with this one is, I think right off the bat, is we would need to get some permission forms signed. But other than that, I like it. Uh, I'll only accept that one if you mangle the pronunciation worse and worse <laughs> with each week. <laughs> K hairs. <laughs> Eventually, it's cat hairs to cinema. <laughs> cat, <laughs> cat hairs, dude, cinema. I'm yeah. going to say up front that Peter and I went in completely different directions with this exercise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Do you want to take my list and I'll take yours, Aaron? No. I thought that was going to work. No. So that was a no, Liz? I like that one a lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> disappointing for me. Uh, all right. Uh, my number two, the Aaron Armstrong Show, Space Bar, Space Bar, Space Bar, Tiny Font, featuring Peter Moran. Oh, that's really good. It's it's a very good title. Uh, it, it expresses exactly what people are tuning in for. Uh, Tiny I'm not font. sure you know... Yeah, I'm not sure you know how fonts work in searches, <laughs> but uh, I, 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 that's a thumbs down. <laughs> Unless you write out spacebar, 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 tiny font just in words. 
Yeah, that I'm going to send you a picture of what's in my notes right now. That is what's <laughs> <Okay>. written down. <laughs> okay. okay uh, my next one is, that's actually really smart, considering how fucking stupid you are, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm not gonna I approve of that one. That is a good one. Peter Pete I I think it's better at this. <laughs> wait till you hear the rest. Okay. Disappointing. Alright. Half remembered IMDB trivia. <laughs> that's good. I, that's, I, I that's a solid one. I think it's accurate. Uh, it's it's very accurate. right when you get on the tin. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real re- it's like repo man. Re- uh, where they're walking around with the tins of exactly what's inside it. Yeah. <laughs> um my next one is In the Buff, the totally outrageous Buffy the Vampire podcast. <laughs> so in this we're changing format too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I figured. I mean, I'm I'm all for deception, so that's a solid one. <laughs> I think we would get more listeners. Yeah. All right. Uh, my number four is uh, Tuesdays with Peter. <laughs> that's really good. That's, that's really, really good. good. That's, that's really good. good. I, I I love that. <laughs> the five pe- the five Peters you meet in heaven. <laughs> Well, you're better at this than both of us. They're all, they're all just like that blue colored uh, circus freak is the problem. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> obviously, one is St. Peter. Yeah, obviously. At the, at the door. At the door. Yeah. Um, and then my last one is the occasional sex havers. <laughs> you see, I, I only approve of that if you change the title every time you go through a, gold, a cold spell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the rarely sex hairs. Yeah. The it's been a few weeks. I'm off my game. The I gave it up for Lent. This is that's definitely what happened. Yes, the, it just becomes a series of excuses, a series of unfortunate excuses. Yeah. That works best if we have to change our name on iTunes every time too. We have like different, yeah, exactly. different logos, <laughs> like. Your wife is yes, like, but- come back to bed, honey. And you're like, I got to change my iTunes title right now. <laughs> this is the only time it's that good. I'm putting yeah, exclamation marks. Yeah, I have one last one. Uh, I think this is probably the most accurate description of our podcast. But we'll see what Liz thinks. It's like, um, we love to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Again. It's really... I appreciate the honesty. I have to go as far as winners go. I have to go to Cahiers to Cinema, the uh, official podcast. Can, thank you. Thank Q you. hairs. Q hairs. Cat yeah. hairs, dude cinema. Yeah. I'm going to vote for the five Peters you meet in hell. <laughs> That's my new vote. It's me and my four clones. <laughs> God. I'll just put you on five tracks and my voice on one. <laughs> All right. Well, Liz already came up with the best name in our own game. So, Liz, <laughs> take it away. All right. What game All are right. we playing today? Well, I was inspired by the fact that um, our movie, Jim Cotta, takes place in a country that is technically called Parmistan, but which I refuse to call anything but Parmesan. And it, uh, <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> and it is so crazy 
that movie creators assume that we know so little about the Middle and Far East that they can invent entire countries <laughs> and we'll just accept that? Like, imagine <laughs> if there was a movie set in Europe and they just invented a country. <laughs> like, that's insane. So, um, yep. like I something crazy I would... like Luxembourg. Yeah. <laughs> or like a new well, state. You... <laughs> yeah yeah exactly hey, this is uh yeah van hausenberg <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah it's right next to north wackel <laughs> um so i have a list of nine countries uh they they actually nine names they may be names of countries of states uh, or of large areas. So they are all sizable areas. I judge by pages that have long Wikipedia pages. Um, for <laughs> some of them are real countries, uh, states or regions in the Middle East or southern Russia or, or, or the Far East. And some of them are fictional places. And I want you guys to tell me which you think are real and which <laughs> you think were made up. So... So, two things to start here. First off, this could not be more on brand for how our show games work. Uh, there's <laughs> nothing we love more than is it real. And, okay. and two, um, I like that you started this off by saying some dumb Americans can be fooled by country names like this because they don't even know this stuff. And now yeah. you have turned it over to us in a way that feels, <laughs> I don't know what the right word is. Like you're trying to prove a point. <laughs> <laughs> Let me establish that I knew the names of none of these places going in. Actually, no, I, I only knew the name of one of these places going in and had to look almost all of them up with the help of Wikipedia's page about the suffix stan. So, uh, uh, so I'm going to end up... Uh, so. Basically, no matter how this game goes, we're going to end up looking stupider than you, though. So. All of us will look stupid. Okay, I let's knew, go. Uh, and I will also establish that the joke here is that all of us are dumb, not that foreign countries have funny names. I want to establish <laughs> that now uh, before Chakrabarti gets a hold of this podcast. All right. The, uh, and so we'll, you guys answer separately and we'll keep score of, of who is slightly less dumb okay. at the end of this. <laughs> All right. Karakalpakstan. That's K-A-R-A-K-A-L-P-A-K-S-T-A-N. I'm going to start. I'm going to say no. That's made up. That I'm going to say real. Pizza is oh. real. <laughs> that is an autonomous republic within Uzbekistan. That is real. So Peter is ahead. <laughs> One to zero. Kamistan, K-A-M-I-S-T-A-N. These are all stands. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say real. I'm gonna say fake. <laughs> Just to keep it up. Okay, that is the country, uh, the Iran stand-in that twenty-four made up in season eight. Son, <laughs> I'm on like the wrong rotation. Yeah, <laughs> no, you gotta. Your answer, uh, I Peter really is just lucking into the fact that you're wrong really because he's just saying the opposite yeah. peter peter you get to go first next <laughs> okay that seems fair balakistan b-a-l-o-c-h-i-s-t-a-n it sounds familiar but i've uh seen more bad 80s action movies than i've <laughs> than, than i've uh uh read books on geography or geology or <laughs> any for any ology really so um uh, i'm gonna go with fake i'm gonna say real 
that is real. It is one of the four provinces of Pakistan. Ah, so, two to so, one right now. So whoever goes first loses. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> it's like tic tac toe, except in reverse. Um, Pakalistan, P O K O L I S T A N. Uh, I'll say real. I'm gonna say real on that one too. That is the country General Zod took over in DC Comics <laughs> and ruled with his three stand-ins. So it's uh, real in that it exists somewhere in fiction. It exists in an alternate universe, yeah, where uh, General Zod exists and looks exactly like Terrence Stamp in the comic books. Uh, he does? That's kind of awesome. Yeah. Um, Yetzanistan. Y-E-T-Z-A-N-I-S-T-A-N. That's too ridiculous to not be real. I'm going to go with real. That is a country from Inspector Gadget. (laughs) (laughs) You were on the right track with it being ridiculous, at least. (laughs) Okay. Bashkortostan. B-A-S-H-K-O-R-T-O. Stan. What, Peter, whatever you pick, I'm going to do the opposite because that's the only way for me to like <laughs> even this out a little. So, <laughs> uh, I'm going to say real. I'll say fake. Oh, that is real. Damn it. It's a republic within Russia. <laughs> My plan uh, backfired tremendously. <laughs> and no, it was such a. So, do you guys know what the score is right now? Three, three to one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> of course. Um, Franistan. F-R-A-N-I-S-T-A-N. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a I, fake I, country. I, I Where the dressers come from? I think that's real. I think it's real. That is a country from I Love Lucy. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> at one point, Lucy uh, needed to pretend to be a foreigner, so she said she was from Franistan. So really, it is a doubly fake country. <laughs> it is a fake country within a fake show. <laughs> Does that mean Peter just got two points? <laughs> uh, and uh, last country, Frangistan. F-R-A-N-G-I-S-T-A-N. I mean, it honestly Little doesn't thing. matter from a winning standpoint, but I'm... <laughs> oh, there might be a bonus question. I, I, I actually, like, question. if I had a real guess, I would say fake. Okay. What do you say, Pete? Uh, I'm going to say fake as well. That is actually what Muslims called Europe. Because in the in the Middle Ages, because Frank is a corruption of Frank, not a corruption. It was the Arabic version of Frank, and they consider they assumed they considered everyone in Europe a French person, basically. So uh, essentially, it means essentially it means Frenchistan, and it was what they called all of Europe. So uh, whether or not is real is uh, sort of a nebulous case. <laughs> but since you voted the same way, I can't. I don't have the leeway to give anyone extra points. <laughs> but um, so is it still three to one? Four to one. I'm getting crushed. Four to one. Well, let's say this bonus question is worth four points. Um, <laughs> the Middle East country of Sirak, S-Y-R-A-Q. If either of you can name the ambassador to the United States from Sirak, uh, I will give you four bonus points. Now, Aaron, note this is a big this is a big thing because if you guess a fake name, uh, you could sound racist. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is this a real country? Uh, no, I'll, I'll give you that. No, it was it, it was not a real country. It is a fictional country. You know, you know the character who was. Um, is it Frank Drebin? <laughs> that's your guess. All right, Frank Drebin. From what the, do you say, Pete? From the opening of Naked Gun. 
Uh, also Frank Drebin. <laughs> okay. Well, no, it's in fact the Joker. Uh, oh. The Joker was appointed ambassador by a thinly veiled Ayatollah Khomeini stand-in so that he could avoid uh, prosecution after murdering Jason Todd, which is a plot point that is often left out in adaptations <laughs> of that story. Yeah, I don't that remember that. Insane. I don't. I don't remember that in the Under the Red Hood DC animated movie. People like there are all these adaptations of Death in the Family and like the Batman Arkham Knight spoilers if you it couldn't figure that out immediately and uh, the animated version but immediately afterwards Batman goes to beat up the Joker but I believe the Joker gasses the UN and then uh, Ayatollah Khomeini uh, declares him his diplomat so that he has diplomatic immunity it is very dumb that is insane. Yeah, uh, also at one point, a machine gunner from a a helicopter is firing at Batman, and I believe Batman calls him uh, a dumb-looking Arab. (laughs) So so that was written by by Frank Miller. Miller. This was pre-Frank Miller's weird obsession with with Muslims, actually. Have you guys read Holy Terror? No. I I, want to find a way to read it without actually paying a single penny to that fucking dude. Oh, I mean, yeah. Uh, I want to... I want to know what is in it without having to read it. <laughs> <laughs> I would love I would love to actually read it just to like get a peek into how insane 9/11 made him. Uh yeah. but I don't want to give him money for I feel like that's enabling. Speaking of spoilers because that came up briefly. I just briefly I this is all unrelated, but I need some sympathy from movie lovers because I was talking to. I started watching the show Hannibal with my friends, mm-hmm. and they all considered it a spoiler and shouted at me to prevent me from telling one of the people in the group who hadn't seen or heard of Silence of the Lambs that eventually Hannibal Lecter is in jail. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's not a spoiler. Hannibal being a prequel, you know, he starts out being free, and then the show is like the progress. But at one point, I compared it to not knowing that Darth Vader is, is Luke's father, and they said, yes, that would also be a spoiler. It's, uh, like, so. that, it's a spoiler, but it's like – it's technically a spoiler, but it's like – wait, did you know that Hannibal was going to be jailed? Like did I, you know? I did. Yeah, I mean, I did. Oh, okay. I, uh, yeah, we just watched the first episode, and I made reference to the fact that this show is like moving towards Hannibal being in jail, and they were like, "Whoa, spoilers!" and shouted at me to keep them, keep yeah. me from saying. Now I'm afraid for real spoilers. How far have you gotten in that show? Oh, I've seen all of it. Okay, and I know they do some. They do some. They try to they try to juke you, which is what I was trying to set them up for, right? Yeah. Like all those moves work because you know in what direction it's heading. Uh, yeah, yeah, that it, works. It that works because day. of spoilers. Exactly. That's what I was arguing. Yeah, that's annoying. Oh, so jumping back just like three minutes. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much for bringing the game. Uh, that was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, so speaking of uh, confusing twists, uh, Jim Cotta, you guys ready to start talking about Jim Cotta? <laughs> yes, I am 100% ready 100% to start talking ready. about Jim <laughs> His name, Kurt Thomas. His title, three-time world gymnastics champion. His assignment, a secret mission for the United States government. His only weapon, himself. And that's all he needs. Combine the discipline the timing, and the power of gymnastics. 
with the explosive force of karate. And a new, all-powerful martial art is born. Jim Kata. Kurt Thomas becomes Jonathan Cabot. He must penetrate a mountain fortress to compete in an ancient savage ritual. They call it the game. But nobody wins. And nobody lives. Until now. When gymnastics and karate are fused, the combustion becomes an explosion. And a new kind of martial arts superhero is born. Jim Kata. So, and I say that because uh, I didn't understand what was going on in the first half hour of this movie, but we'll we'll get into that. Yes, we will. I want to talk at length about what is going on in the first half of this movie. Great. Uh, so, I'll, I'll do the five-second recap. Peter, you can do the 90-second uh, the recap. And uh, five-second recap is uh, a gymnast avenges his father while not caring that his father is dying on the horse next to him as they bring uh, missiles and death to, to Europe and Asia. This is a beautifully anti-capitalist view on the film. Uh, <laughs> the movie is Rambo 2 levels of rah-rah American bullshit. It's, 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 it's so bad. It's, it's so bad. The, we did it. We brought more missiles into... Wait a second. Yeah, we escalated the Cold War. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, oh, so 90 second recap. Uh, a uh, gymnast is recruited by the SIA, not the CIA, uh, this, uh, <laughs> to be uh, a spy dash uh, contestant in this, uh, this contest in this fictional country of Parmistan. Uh, in the movie, it's real. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the winner of this contest gets uh, any wish that he wants from the, the king. Uh, I believe is the king called a con in this? Yeah. Adding yeah, to right. the to the uh, sort of like ethnic confusion and what the fuck is this country? We'll yeah. get to that. Um, it does at anyway. one point the country rips off one of its rivers and says it's Gene Parmistan. Gene. That's actually the the king kind of looks like Gene Parmistan. He does. He does. <laughs> at the end, I wanted him to rip off his mustache. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so this uh, this this athlete uh, trains and he goes off to Parmistan and he gets embroiled in some uh, some espionage, uh, just as exciting as any 007 movie. And he ends up in the contest. He discovers that his father was in the contest. He already knew his father was in the contest and died. Yeah, we uh, didn't know, I think. Yeah, we <laughs> didn't know that that was his father. We just thought it was another person dying in the contest. Um, and then the he goes through the contest. He defeats challengers. He overcomes odds. And then he goes to the village of the crazies. His father saves him. And then is 30 seconds later murdered. And then he fights the Khan's future son-in-law over the heart and the right to marry the Khan's daughter, who has a very interesting background. Her mother is from Indonesia. And uh, <laughs> is and, that by uh, the Caspian Sea too? <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. 
He uh, so yeah. He at the at the end he wins the right to put a missile installation or satellite installation in Parmistan because he won the contest. Uh, I believe conf- technically, I believe Star Wars was a missile detection system. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Was, I, I thought it was a missile detection system paired with um, missiles that would knock the other missiles out of orbit. Right, like it was never going to work. I th- I think. First, okay, maybe was, I'm wrong. I, I thought think that was the Reagan plan. Yeah, well, no, I I think that was the plan. But what they actually, I I feel like it's on. I don't know. What do I know? I was not alive during the Cold War. Neither was I. I was I. born I'm in ninety one. <laughs> yeah, <me too. laughs> um, so yeah, I I don't know. Uh, let's let's continue to assume missiles were placed in this country. Yeah. I thought <laughs> missiles were placed, but I'm not. Yeah. So, so he wins the contest, the right to put a military installation in Parmistan. Uh, the Khan fights off a coup attempt by his uh, dastardly, dastardly future son-in-law. Uh, uh, fucking uh, Kurt wins <laughs> the contest and so gets to marry the daughter. Uh, and then uh, what was his free, wish? Free because this was in the 80s. His wish was just that he wanted the missiles, right? Because you, you, you grant any request, but they... They didn't have that scene at the end that you would think that they would have where he... Yeah, that I, I asked for your daughter or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah this, the scene where he's um, talking to defense contractors and laying concrete. <laughs> <laughs> the scene you expect at the end of these movies, you know? So, yeah, his his actual wish was that he gets a, cu- a cushy job at the top <laughs> of the corporation that's going to build this. Uh, he, he wants some kickbacks. So... Yeah, I don't even know where to begin with this movie, uh, but I am going to I'm going to do the thing where I question Peter's recap and say, was the dad dead? I, I think the dad was alive. Is the dad theory. lives, but the movie wants you to know that he dies and it does that twice. Yeah, it's the meanest reunion I've ever seen it's in a movie. It's the funniest. <laughs> it is legitimately I stood up in my chair and applauded because it was so ballsy. It is hysterical. <laughs> This movie has loves arrows coming from the from <laughs> like right off screen, and it doesn't yeah. realize that that is literally like a uh, a comedic technique. Yeah, having mm-hmm. something really fast fly into frame, and and so so yeah, so he meets up. I I just want to give a visualization to the listener that may not have seen this movie. So he he meets back up with his dad. The dad immediately gets shot with an arrow. You think he's dead. At the end, you find out he's not dead, and. They are riding separate horses back to celebrate uh, his win. Everyone is cheering. He's kissing his new bride-to-be in celebration. The dad is slumped over on the other horse with an arrow still sticking out of his back. Roll credits. It is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. There's there's so much like um, attempted emotional manipulation in this movie that lasts about three seconds. The the dad you think the dad they they introduce you to this guy and you let him know that he was the dad and he somehow survived the last attempt uh, at, at the the race and then they murder him, which like Liz says, it's amazing. Uh, it's one of the best comedic moments I've seen in a movie in a while, as well as the uh, the. There's been some uh, anti-American sentiment recently, and then arrow in the <laughs> chest. Like that's like a meme now for a good reason because it's so that fucking was, funny. That was so. I don't know how aware this movie is sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes it's too perfect. It, it, what's weird is that there are moments in this movie that work 
completely on a, 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 like i think the village of the crazies scene well, well you guys know who directed uh, yeah yeah robert uh robert klaus yeah the guy who directed what enter the dragon game of death yeah yeah he, maybe not he's enter used to working again. with physical yeah enter the dragon yeah in game of death right i had my notes he yeah. he's uh he works with these sort of like physical actors who you know re- rely on charisma and their in- intense uh, athleticism and physicality mm-hmm. Because he's worked with Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee and Kurt Thomas. <laughs> All the greats. Kurt, Kurt Thomas, yeah. Kurt Thomas, who uh, IMDb is helpful to point out, this was his only lead role. Yeah. Poor Kurt Thomas. And, and, and I don't know why, because he, he has no charisma whatsoever. You know how, like, sometimes celebrities clearly wrote their own IMDb page? Mm-hmm. I like to imagine that Kurt Thomas wrote his own IMDb page and is very sad in his yeah. life because it is a sad page. It, that th- I have a special note about this is the weirdest IMDb trivia section I've ever seen. That everything is like a joke obviousness mm-hmm. or really sad about the co-stars or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. it is it is a depressing uh, a depressing read. Um, I'm going to say for, for this movie, though, like on a macro level. So I, I've never seen this movie. Peter had never seen this movie, I think, before uh, before we decided to watch this for the show. I turned against this movie very quickly and then came back around big time for the last <laughs> hour because I was so fucking confused by what the hell was going on for that first half hour of this movie. You know, part of enjoying a bad, a good, bad movie is being able to, like, know what's going on so that mm-hmm. you can laugh at the ridiculousness of it. This I've never seen a movie, I think, before that is actively trying to ensure that you don't get to know the characters at all. Or the setting or the, yeah. it it What it reminded, uh, what it reminded me of was Batman versus Superman. Um, because both movies felt like an abridged version of a TV show that I didn't watch. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It felt like there was the setup episode and then the Eastern Europe-ish episode and then the, like, several episodes about the game. And this is, like, the montage version, like. It yeah. is so episodic. Like there's, there's like a. It, it's like the scriptwriter was like, um, all right. So it needs to be like a martial arts movie. So there needs to be a training montage, and then also he's like a James Bond movie. So there needs to be a romantic montage and some like you know sex jokes in there. Which this movie has one of my favorite sex jokes in any movie because it shows her giving him a back rub and him making moaning noises and the way it's framed it's supposed to look like she's on top of him uh and riding him sexually and man peter your dirty talk must be amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah and he's uh and, and he's just like they pan down to him and you're like oh he's getting a back rub and then he's uh and then he's like you're like ah i get the joke they're not really having sex and uh, then they just have sex. Like, what, what is the, the the joke doesn't work. Like, the joke only works if like they're not screwing. It's like a Simpsons joke. It's like a double level Simpsons joke. Like, there's so many like layers of distraction that are all entailed on you getting the previous ones. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Because well, once you get to the bottom, if you haven't been following the journey, you're like, what, what, why, why? 
Yeah, and I was pretty sure that his SIA contact had died three times because they hired uh, similar-looking 80s guys with mustaches <laughs> who just kept dying in the middle of the or the, the beginning of the movie. Uh, and I'm like, oh, now his contact's dead. Oh, no, wait, no, here's another guy. That's his contact. Oh, now he's shot. Oh, that's not him. Oh, his contact turned on him. What? the fuck is going on in this movie i can't laugh at it if i can't keep up with it so i think i think the uh i think a lot of that the episodicness and the fact that there's like too many characters and it doesn't keep a sort of like tightness uh is probably because it was based on a book right yeah i cannot believe that this was was like it was like a paperback like it wasn't like this big epic um it was like a pretty short little thriller i think right i don't think it was the bible i could yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I could be wrong, but I, 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 I feel like this is new lunacy to the book, to the movie. <laughs> it might, it might be. It's just usually that stuff where there's just like mm-hmm. too many characters, too many settings, and you don't know why there's a weird doggy middle section of the movie yeah like usually that's indicative of adapted from a book and we didn't really think about why all these pieces were here and it's crazy because like the whole reason that this deadly game plot is so popular is that it allows a complete leanness and clarity of characters (laughs) like you always like the reason the running man hunger games all these are popular is that the relations are already set out like Oh, okay. These twelve teenagers—they're all going to try to kill each other, and they're going to make teams. But like, whereas like this this game, this movie at one point, there's what what's the guy who looks like the douchebag quarterback of the high school football team, uh, and he has a headband with like a triangle on it, Scarg or whatever his name is. Oh yeah, yeah. The guy with the long blonde hair. <laughs> Did they actually like, say anyone's name in this movie? Or I, it's like Scarg or something. I, uh, maybe I invented it. Torg. <laughs> Thor, that's yeah, Thor, Tharg, something yeah. like that. And then at one point he comes in, and it's this is my theory is that like there's a secret high school movie in this because the way that that guy comes in, and then our nerdy gymnast protagonist goes, Hey, Tharg, and Tharg totally ignores him, and he's like, That's Tharg, <laughs> like it's the perfect thing um, for like the guy who really admires the football team but cannot get in with them. <laughs> Well, I think part of this is because, and this was in the IMDb trivia too, is that uh, this movie was written by an Apple II that had cocaine spilled on it. <laughs> <laughs> this movie, this movie does have. It's not a canon movie, but it does have canon cocaine energy. Where <laughs> I have no, it's no idea. Like, there's no, there's no real nugget of like a good idea. It's just like this sort of like cavalcade of energy, just moving from scene to scene. It's like this unbridled energy moving forward. Like mm-hmm. they think if they move fast enough, they don't actually have to do any of the ba- create any of the base components of a movie. Uh, yeah, like there's there's a lot of scenes like where there's like supposed to be like he's climbing up a rope and the ninjas are shooting at him or whatever, and they don't show you like a wide shot of the rope, like. <laughs> <laughs> they need you need like for all I know this could be like a jungle gym rope that's ten feet off the ground like I, how how long is he traveling There's a lot of like little pieces that they just didn't build into the movie because they were just like too excited. So let me ask you something about the uh, about the game. 
is it just me or does this game seem kind of like no one's won the game for hundreds of years <laughs> like really <laughs> like this is like ninja warrior level like this is not like we see this at the beginning these three prisoners are forced to play the game and are released to run and try and they get most of the way through yeah <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense like apparently it's not that hard <laughs> Regardless of how good of a ninja you are, you can't outrun horses. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that reminds me of the absolute funniest part. The reason that this movie is amazing are the referees. The referees are the funniest thing in the world. (laughs) Just like this movie is filled with men uh, standing in uh, color-inverted Ku Klux Klan robes uh, (laughs) in the background with flags standing like they're about to do like an interpretive dance move and <laughs> or they're going to direct a plane yes exactly to a landing pad and then when the characters pass them sadly putting their arms down <laughs> yeah. my, favorite, my favorite thing is the way they just sort of let the flags limp to their sides oh well that was the highlight of my year <laughs> i imagine that those ninjas cry themselves to sleep at night like if you're on out of bounds ninja duty you yeah. are a shitty ninja. Although, I guess we could say that all the ninjas are really shitty because this movie misinterprets the black uh, robes that ninjas wear <laughs> as uh, not not a – like in real life, I guess real life, where ninjas wear stuff like that to disguise them in the night. Every every scene is shot in broad daylight, so I think this movie thinks that uh, ninjas wear uh, – coveralls and stuff to cover their face and masks uh, to protect uh, secret identities of some sort because (laughs) I don't know what the black ninja outfits are adding to their uh, ninjutsu. For certainly, yeah, certainly they're not camouflage because you no. wouldn't put a referee in camouflage. No, hey, <laughs> hey, day- daylight in wheat, black ninjas. <laughs> They'll yeah, stand refer- out more than anything. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, and you say the contest seems easy. Like, yeah, I agree. the The physicality of it seems super easy. Like, there's no no part of the contest seems all that physically impressive. And the movie doesn't st- seem to really care about showing us uh, physical exertion during the contest. Mm-hmm. It's mostly, I think, the movie got bored of the idea of just people fighting to see what their body is made of like i think the movie got sick of that idea and then they were like mm-hmm. well yeah also ninjas are gonna be shooting arrows at you <laughs> exactly like this crazy idea of physical like we need the strongest warriors who also are very impervious to arrows like <laughs> yeah who would who could win this game yeah. like what skill the only skill you need is like metal skin like yeah. that's the only yeah. trait that's a, that's approved yeah we need the toughest warriors who can run through a field being chased by a horse while spears are being thrown at their back like i don't care how <laughs> yeah. good of a ninja you are uh that spear's gonna win and the horses yeah. can outrun you basically it's like as if you were doing the presidential fitness test and people are throwing (laughs) spears at you that's basically the entire context yeah even (laughs) the kid that ran the five minute miles still getting hit with a spear yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) i got a new record still getting speared um so i i do kind of want like i did turn around on the back half of this movie when it kind of became about the contest i've heard a lot of comments online talking about that the first 30 minutes are their favorite and then the rest is okay which seems insane to me insane but but 
there are some so I kind of want to talk about some of the crazy moments at the beginning because mm-hmm. first off those two people that are training him at the beginning who are they what is going on with that <laughs> it's insane didn't you think that they were going to be like accompanying him or part yes. of something okay anywhere in the rest yeah. of the movie one of the rules you know like there's the what is it the rule of i I forget like there's a rule that like uh we naturally assume that certain shots that certain things like must be relevant you know if they if a character talks about something in a movie there's they must be relevant to the larger plot in some way i feel like in movies um like like these like assistant characters there is a an automatic assumption that any racial minority will be somehow relevant and sidekicky throughout the movie <laughs> because the assumption is if they're only going to show up once, like just cast a white person, the only reason you don't cast a white person is to show off, you know, in these yeah. kind of movies to be yeah. like, oh, hey, okay, we need anyone who's not white. And um, <laughs> so like this, like this weird, these weird characters and it's like, where are they in the rest of the movie? It's complete nonsense. Well, and they teach him like this move, which I guess kind of comes back later, like this axe related move. But if I am reading it right and it comes back, it's a different weapon that's like almost hard to connect. It was just like, be aware of your surroundings was like basically all he told them. It was like, oh man, the the scene where that guy just walks off and starts spinning his little hacksaws around and our main character is very impressed with this yeah and they're swinging uh, is... right near his dick yeah like, exactly. again and again oh and man again. that man does not care about his dick at all wow <laughs> he's a real warrior <laughs> uh that's the only way that american men in 1980s could respect somebody as a warrior be like he doesn't even care about his dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's like very Mac. Yeah. It's very Mac from It's Always Sunny. Yeah. Um, but like, um, the but then later in the when they're at the festival, uh, when that one guy gets pissy that it, the main character is, is hitting on his girlfriend, he walks off and shows off to the village people, like almost hitting himself in the dick, and everyone starts clapping. Do you remember this? Scene? Yeah, I do because that is like a when you mentioned the high school aspect, mm-hmm. that is like an awkward high school lunch. They spend forever mm-hmm. staring at each other, mm-hmm. and no one's saying anything. And then they do this. He when he gets up to kind of prove his masculinity, he just rips off his shirt and is like, <laughs> "I win the woman now." <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. Which is also in Bloodsport, which is a similar movie. There's a scene where basically uh, Jean Claude Van Damme and some thuggish dude are like are like uh, the thuggish dude is basically like I'm gonna rape her and then Van Damme's like if I win against you I get to rape her (laughs) and then then, uh, obviously uh, the movie just he wins the contest and the movie just decides to skip over everything that happens immediately after and then it just decides that they're in love it's very similar where the movie's just like yeah, if you beat up if you beat up somebody's boyfriend, you get to have her. I bet this movie breaks the record for because I was not sure if I was supposed to know that the lead and the princess were dating or if this was the seduction scene or what was going on because he just kind of walks up and I think just is like, "Why don't we kiss then?" And then they kiss and then they're in love, but they never really talk about like I, I was so confused if they were already supposed – because this movie skipped so much stuff. I was very confused as to whether this was the scene where they got together or this was like 
flirtations between a couple that had been together for a while during the training. Like, I had no fucking idea. Yeah, it's inscrutable. Yeah, can we talk about Kurt Thomas a little bit here? Because he's supposed to be the sort of James Bond, like, international adventurer guy, but also his face and the fact that he was, like, a would-be Olympic athlete make it seem like this is supposed to be, like, a family-friendly kind of movie. Uh, like a three ninjas kick back kind of thing. Like, yeah. like watch this, these uh, young white kids take on ninjas and beat them at their own game. Like, hey that kids, sort of learn, thing. About, learn about the Middle East role in our country's international relations in a fun way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or like, or like that weird thing where like white people go and they meet an Asian guru and then they <laughs> eventually like, uh, you know, at first they get beaten by the guru and then the they beat the guru and you're mm. like see and white people yeah. <laughs> see white people were just as good as Asians you just have to try harder like <laughs> to, like what's the what's the point this movie has all of that built into it that weird 80s like white people can do anything ness but he's got this like baby face and it reminded me like it's not like Raiden from Metal Gear Solid 2 where they like subvert that later where, like, Raiden's lack of macho-ness is, like, actually an asset for the spy story. Um, it becomes its own thing. And this, like, his macho-ness always feels out of place. Like, when he snaps at uh, Zamir's neck at the end, or when he shoots the AK-47 in the village, you're just like, that feels wrong. Why are you doing this? <laughs> yeah. It'd be like I if mean, you're watching his, Three Ninjas kick back too. and someone snaps someone's neck. Yeah. His voice, too. His voice is extremely childish like it's super high pitch and it's like no martial arts star could like sound like this yeah and well, he's five foot something so like that's part of the story which like they could have done something really badass to be like to make him into an underdog because he's so small but he's powerful like they did that with bruce mm-hmm. lee all the time put him up against these like fucking like mountains of meat and bruce lee would take them down like that was that was part of the part of the game his mullet's on point though <laughs> that's, that's the other question is he sexy for the 80s <laughs> like <laughs> he's got this mullet yeah. he's the whitest person available he mm. has that like weird red sweater like he wears a lot of sweat that sweater feels... okay i want to talk about that sweater for hours what was going on because i'm like all right is this just supposed to look cool like it's got these weird lines like emphasizing the armpit like was that a particularly <laughs> sexual erogenous zone in the 80s for but a gymnast yes he yeah. gets to the the thing and then everyone's wearing them <laughs> like everyone's wearing them in different colors and i'm like is this the secret uniform or something but he's not now he's lost it i, I was obsessed with that outfit and it's and it's weird because like what is the one color that doesn't blend into a crowd Bright red <laughs> with a weird other optical pattern on it. Yeah. I We need to talk about the Village of the Crazies. Yes. Actually, yes. so I'll, I'll say I think that that was legitimately creepy. I thought the- I think so, too. The, I thought the mask thing was creepy. I thought the oh, dog- Oh, the Village of the Crazies? Yeah, I thought the yeah. dog was licking up blood. Like, that was really creepy. I actually was that creeped was out. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it was very well done, which is until the- Scene in which he mysteriously finds a pommel horse in the middle of the street and starts <laughs> flipping around. If, if we could cut that part out uh, and say that, like we kidnapped, like we kidnapped Belatar, introduced him to color photography, 
and made him watch canon movies for a while. <laughs> uh, you could have made that little scene there. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, because it's it's very unnerving and it has a very long slow-mo sequence at the end where he's mm-hmm. trying to get away from all of them. And <laughs> yeah. you actually feel like he's reached the limits of what he can do with uh, with Jim Cotta. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think we've even of- mentioned that he just... Jim Cotta is that he kicks people and occasionally does like mild Flips. gymnast moves. Yeah. <laughs> speaking and, and of he, Arkham Knight, speaking of Arkham Knight, his fight scenes looked like someone playing the Batman games badly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the way that he was like always flipping around in the weirdest ways. And I'm like, what are you, what is going on? Yeah. Like, no, you can just stand there and hit triangle. You're fine. <laughs> You're not getting a combo bonus, but you'll pass the level. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you yeah, that village of the, the, the that village of the craziest thing is, I think, actually super super creepy, and it, it it's so weird for a movie to all of a sudden get competent. Yes, mm-hmm. it it works on its own terms for like five to ten minutes. Yeah, and the, the way Z- Zorg or whatever the fuck the guy's name is. Z- oh Thor. yeah, yeah, the, the Thor. Yeah, Thor gets eaten he... in a pig pit. Right, that scene with the pigs was fi- like it was like. The use of the pigs that were like just completely unromantic, like they, like the way that they were shot, just looked like an Eastern European art house movie. Like it was perfect. Yeah, it was yes. like I should have been watching this in my Eastern European cinema class. Like it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, they shot this in. They shot this in Yugoslavia. So I like it, it has its sort of tenor to it, where you can tell this wasn't just a set they built in America. Do you? So hold on. Do you think it was fall? When they shot this in Yugoslavia? <laughs> There's just nothing but people throwing leaves at each other for every single There's fight. There's so the many woods. leaves. It looks like like rural Iowa. Yeah, that's why I thought – I looked it up and I was like, they definitely shot this in southern Illinois. <laughs> and then uh, the, lady, the, girl, the girl from The Thief in the Night runs through yeah. the other way, <laughs> running away from the helicopter. <laughs> this was part of her test. Yeah, <laughs> everybody gets their own test. I want to know yeah. what are, what are the people in the village of the crazies doing? Because it, so it's kind of implied that no one really ever gets it that far. Everyone else we've seen dies very easily on the slow rope thing they need to cross. Why arrows uh, shoot at them? Shoot at them, and not even from the side, from in front of them yep. and from behind them. <laughs> yeah, hold on, you do this. I'm going to plan here. Okay, slow aim. You're five feet in front of me. I'm probably going to make this shot. It's like they wanted to. Conv- it's like they wanted a live fire uh, firing range, but they couldn't trick anyone into doing it. So they're like, "Oh, uh, it's a game." Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it's also like the movie was like, "We need to show that this is this fucking challenging stuff, guys. Really tough to do it. What do we do? Uh, how about someone is right in front of someone else and just shoots an arrow at his fucking face? <laughs> you know that old chest." Yeah, try to get past that arrow in your fucking face. The game is murder. Yeah. Also, nobody, and it would be fine if it would be fine if the game were somehow involving like he could fight back against the ninjas, or you're, or um, you know, you're allowed to do whatever you want to the contestants. But when like Thorg beats up one of the contestants, it's considered like ignoble. Like it's supposed to be a, a negative action. It's not supposed to be like a, a d- most dangerous game situation. And I agree with you. Like, yeah, like what if they, they had to shoot arrows from a specific angle? So like there was actually some skill to it, not just wait for them to not fire arrows at you. And also like in these things, it's always like 
we have released the most powerful hunter alive. And it's like this like Aragorn figure who can, these guards, no one is competent. Like none of the guards are particularly competent. Like we have no sense that they're good at anything. (laughs) Like these seem just like dudes. It's just like people got drafted. Hey, you're going to be a guard. Do I have to hold a flag? No, you get to shoot an arrow at a slowly moving target towards you. Oh, okay, fine. Well, and that one guard forgets when he's supposed to shoot the slowly moving target and then gets shot in the face for it himself. It's it's inscrutable, yeah. So, yeah. So, what do you think the people in the Village of the Crazies are doing most days? My theory is that they they are all uh, actors who have been sent to the village of the crazies for because they are for the crime of being actors and they spend all their time trying to set up the most elaborate <laughs> pageants for when people make it through and they're just really excited that someone finally made it to them so they can show off all their hard work yeah that guy's probably been sitting in that corner facing the wall for a long time <laughs> he's been on a five-year timeout <laughs> <laughs> he was a very naughty boy and naughty boys get punished. He was this really movie. just chasing the protagonist so that he could hand him the twenty-page like uh, pamphlet that you get handed when you enter the artwork exhibit, where he explains how it's all Brechtian. <laughs> <laughs> you just get just enough that you can impress the person you came in with, right? Yeah, yeah. This movie, this movie also has a gang called the Twenties uh, that, should... that are mentioned <laughs> once, right? Yeah. Mentioned One once, sentence. but was a weird wake-up call for me during the movie because it was yeah the 20s some people in this country think we need to move in the 20th century and i had totally forgotten that this movie takes place in the 80s at that point because it does do the we're kind of in the middle ages thing very well for a little bit that i'm like oh shit this is 1985 what the fuck are what what the fuck is this country and in response to her saying um in response to her telling him they want to combine the best of the old and the new, he, Stoneface says, that seems reasonable. <laughs> A line that I can't stop thinking. It's the funniest line. <laughs> it's so good because it's just like, it's like, hey, you know, sometimes uh, when you drink something, you eat something too spicy and you like a nice uh, glass of skim milk. And he's like, yeah, I, I love skim milk. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like what he can't ma- say anything politically aggressive that might give us a single hint uh, about what his personality might be. I want to ask you guys another question. Do you think that the uh, writers of this movie knew what or where the Caspian Sea was? Because they really lean heavily on the on the Caspian Sea aspect of where countries are located. I think one of them uh, read prince caspian as a kid and assumed (laughs) that the caspian sea was a fictional place (laughs) unlike parmesan which is unlike parmesan which is extremely real (laughs) parmesan interesting background roughly translates to cheese (laughs) uh yeah so are we allowed to talk about uh the uh princess uh rabali yeah. Yes. Um, why can she, why does she not talk for a while and then suddenly start talking? I thought uh, that was going to be something bigger. 
Like, is this movie really going to have a mute princess? Or at least yeah. maybe not mute, like, the movie doesn't let her talk? And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. yeah, 30 minutes in, is she's like, let's go this talking. way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it reminded me of Sleepaway Camp. Yeah. The way yes. that, like, Sleepaway Camp makes this big deal of Angela not talking, and then all of a sudden she's talking up a storm. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> It's true. There's just like moment where she, I think it's like supposed to be part of his training is that she's not talking to him. Like <laughs> she has to be cold and she has to be merciless. And then all of a sudden, like they get to the, uh, they get to Parmesan and she's just like, doesn't seem like she's on a mission at all. She's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm back They get home. to Jean Parmesan, the country. <laughs> they get the Jean country Parmesan. Jean Parmesan. And she pulls another one over on us. Uh, she doesn't seem to know that she's betrothed. <laughs> yeah, she seems surprised by that. Oh, like yeah, she... that guy. Oh, I hate him. Ugh, boys are <laughs> gross. <laughs> uh, yeah, Techi uh, uh, Abghani, uh, she is a uh, Playboy model, um, which makes a lot of sense and makes this feel even more like a canon movie. Yeah. Or an Andy Sidaris movie. <laughs> uh, either way. So... I know, I know. We're kind of we're kind of running short on time here. I I think that it is critical before we get into some final thoughts to talk about Liz's favorite character, the reason that she knows how to make six second video clips, and that yes, is the, um, the Depardieu, the Depardieu guy, the guy who. Well, Liz, I'll let you describe the scene. Well, he's he's an assassin, right? He's coming. He's he's trying to assassinate these guys, but. Uh, you know, when you think of a like a an assassin, you think like a lean guy, just kind of got a hungry look. This guy looks like he only eats baguettes all the time. <laughs> like that's his only meal is baguettes, and he seems like he's the star of another more comical movie about a like a uh, comic, like a constantly failing assassin. Yeah, he's um, like what spy? He's, he's, su- he's son of Pink Panther. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's a Peter Sellers character. Yeah, and and at one point he's running down the street. Uh, the cops are trying to stop him, and I would also note that that really undercuts the tension of your scene when the cops are trying to catch the guy chasing him, like. What is going like? That's usually it's like, oh, whose co- side on the cops are? The cops are on the good guy's side in this movie. It's pretty, it's pretty explicit. <laughs> um, and basically, it, they reenact the um, scene from Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, where uh, the one spy gets shot in in uh, Europe. Except uh, he gets. Um, he gets almost run over by a police car and does an unnecessary spin to avoid it, which is the funniest thing I've ever seen, and then gets a very determined look on his face and sort of runs face down like I did when I had to run the mile in gym class. Uh, it was it was essentially essentially perfect. Uh, it's like he was being bu- – you're right. It's like he's being bullied into it. Yeah, he also uh, he also doesn't turn his head to notice it is a uh, police car that he has avoided, uh, who are out to get him. I don't think yeah. he knows, or he was incredibly surprised by the level of police violence that occur in this country, <laughs> because the police, 
shoot him right in the back. <laughs> they just shoot him down. And he clearly, he either didn't notice the threat or he was not aware that that was a possibility because he makes no, he is running dead center of the street when he gets mercilessly gunned down by the police officers. And that communicates literally nothing to you because you're just like, wait, I thought this country hated the Americans. Like, I thought this country hired these assassins. I thought these were paid guns by the country. And then all of a sudden a cop starts shooting at them and you're like, well, what's the, who's, who do these guys work for? Not not shooting at them. Shoots him right dead center in the back. Just shoots and him he down. collapses. Goes, well, I think he's both shooting at him and successfully shooting him. <laughs> they don't even yell, stop. Yeah. yeah. No, they say nothing. They don't even they don't make a noise like all right, like they just silently look at each other like all right, this is happening. <laughs> We've trained for this. I like, Let's get to murdering. I like to think that that is that they didn't know that that was the suspect that they were chasing <laughs> they and were that that to... is the punishment yeah. for touching a cop car in this country. <laughs> for getting in the way. You no, made I this cop car if... unclean. They thought that they've never seen a gymnast before and they thought that was the gymnast. <laughs> oh, don't care <laughs> for <laughs> this. <laughs> his, billowy bo- his billowy folds of muscle just keep rolling on one another. <laughs> um, I, I want to know what take that was. Yes, was yes, that absolutely. take Negative one? one. It should, that wasn't even a take. That just happened. Yeah. yeah. Oh, watch out, guys. How dare you? You, you ruined a take for the last time. You're going to have no another... context while you're in this movie. <laughs> the next take was just him being uh, dragged on like a sort of marionette crane device. <laughs> it's like a weekend at Bernie, Bernie's action movie. He does look like Bernie. <laughs> he looks like Bernie if someone fattened him up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. it looks like Bernie in the midst of some sort of sepsis event. <laughs> it looks yeah. like Bernie, they buried him at the beach. He told the director, like, okay, but, like, don't even get close to hitting me with the car. But I'll, I'll make it look like I avoided it. <laughs> because, because I'm a named character, right? And the director's like, yes. Yeah. You are a named character. You will you will be a big part of this movie. They did not have a stunt supervisor that day. They're like, just don't even get close. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> not worth tell- the insurance risk. <laughs> they didn't even tell him that they were killing him. They just told him that his character was narcoleptic. They're just like, just uh, you have a you have a fit. Just lay down in the middle of the street. <laughs> they just shot him with like a nerf beanbag and it just hit him in the back of the head and knocked him over. Guys. <laughs> That's what he said, I guarantee, when he fell. Guys! Um, <laughs> cool! So this, this, so this movie is completely ridiculous. I would highly recommend it. Um, I should note this movie made $5.8 million at the so, at the box office when it was released. But in 1980 movie bucks, in 1985, that's, like, that's, that's more money. That like doubled now. the GPD of, of America. Yeah, and you Parmesan. can pay for Obamacare today with the gross of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we are. <laughs> we are. That's how it's funded. <laughs> how amazing would that be if, in the middle of like, in the middle of like some co- congressional meeting, like somebody had to say like, and funding from this movie was put aside from the the film Jim Cotta. Uh, uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, do we still have those missiles over there <laughs> from this documentary? Um, <laughs> I'm just I'm just basing that on the current intelligence of the. 
Republicans. Anyway, uh, so are roasting them. Yeah, boom. Yeah, some deep political cuts. Yeah, boom. you know, like everyone's talking about how Trump is really going to bring their satire out of the American public. That's us. This is us. This <laughs> is what they were it. talking about. They think Jim Carter's a documentary. <laughs> Essentially, it's your mama jokes, but <laughs> your House majority is so dumb. How dumb are <laughs> <Yes>. they? <laughs> and then everyone when goes they get Jim a delegation Carter? from Chile, they run over with a bowl. <laughs> 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 hey, uh, when they get a delegation from Turkey, uh, they think it's their cousin because those guys are a bunch of turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, it, it is It is kind of crazy that this movie didn't gain any sort of prominence till there was some poll online that was like, what movie should the company that made this release? And everyone's like, fucking Jim Cotta. That sounds ridiculous. And then like blew up suddenly. I never <laughs> heard of this movie until a few years ago. I don't think anyone really did. You can buy a DVD for like five bucks now. I think Paramount might have overproduced. Yeah. We uh we need the Blu-ray, by the way. We do guys. need the Blu-ray. Uh, the Blu-ray of the Village of the Crazies would be amazing. But I watch I watched it in HD. I recorded it off uh Turner oh, really? Classic Movies, which had an HD. So someone did remaster this and <laughs> is sitting on it like a greedy son of a bitch. <laughs> like a like some sort of e- evil uh looking up character name some sort of evil uh uh richard norton <laughs> there's like he's like a guy who you think is looking at you right at the eyes but turns out it's the back of his head <laughs> there's there's a vault there's a vault and in it is the complete cut of greed the original cut of the magnificent Amber- anderson's and the high def remaster of jim Cotta, and that's it in four 480p it's not 1080. It's... Yeah. And in the day the clown cried in VR. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah, I, I really did like this. I, I did turn around on it. I think that the internet uh, critics who think that the first half hour uh, is the best are crazy people. But this is a lot of fun. And it, and I can definitely see this becoming one of my, uh, like, with the room and Birdemic and Troll 2 like this this has enough competency and like legitimate moments that are you're not laughing at it but are enjoyable to watch that it's not it's not a red zone cuba it's not a slog of a bad movie uh, it's a fast-moving 85-minute uh, movie that just is made by someone who didn't seem to – actually, I'll, I'll take that back. I think Liz's analogy from the beginning is perfect. Like, it is a eight-hour miniseries that was cut to 85 minutes <laughs> and recast halfway through. <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, I completely agree. I think it's a uh, – I think it's a uh, – especially after New Year's Evil, which was the last movie we did and new year's evil is a true canon movie that's kind of boring and doesn't have a sort of thrilling third act um or any sort of like wacky characters this movie has a lot of wacky characters a lot of wacky casting decisions like a lot has been said about how the con is just he just looks like a jewish guy like just a guy you meet on the subway yeah he doesn't look like a he doesn't look like he's like some like famous king and he's got like kind of a yeah but yeah a lot has been said about that but i think that the movie itself has enough sort of wacky 80s campiness uh to drive it through the entire movie um and it's yeah it's 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 got sort of reagan era jingoistic patriotism that's like fun to see and abstract and make fun of and i think it's a your american duty to make fun of 
jingoistic American propaganda like this or Rambo 3 or American Sniper. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's it's perfect because like I don't really I'm not a super super into martial arts movies, I guess, but um, it changes so much that you never get bored of it. If you watch it with a bunch of people like and they're talking like they'll still catch on because it'll be another movie all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a lot. It, it the 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 last third is is some fascinating stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I would recommend it for sure. Awesome. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Liz. This was this was an absolute blast. I hope you come back on in the very near future. All right, I will. I will get on it. Uh, do you have Thank anything you to plug? Anything that uh, anything you want to direct people to? Uh, I don't really have anything to plug right now. Um, I guess if you want to listen to a sermon I did on Sunday, uh, then I just then that's on the internet. Um, I know Rick Kelly and I are um, perpetually trying to start a podcast. So uh, now that he has a microphone uh, and is not recording from down a <laughs> tel- de- uh, toilet paper tube, uh, it, will, uh, it will probably hopefully happen. So I would uh, love that you guys would make you guys would make a great show. I think. <laughs> Gosh, um, thanks. Yeah, I can. If you guys want, I can bully you into doing this. Yeah, like well, every two weeks, be like, "Hey, uh, uh, you want to get a swirly, or you want to record some podcasts?" <laughs> I I still want you to do the uh, cover of a Rolling Stone podcast. That was Liz. it was such a good idea. Uh, I am bad at making music, <laughs> uh, but it was it was it was a very very good idea. We also had an idea. Uh, we've gone through so many ideas. We had an, a similar idea where we were going to um, we were going to. Uh, go through movies and make musicals versions. So we were going to oh, go through yeah. the happening and and do song versions <laughs> of each thing. Um, so yeah, uh, we have some we have some other ideas that we just got to friggin' pick one. Well, I was if you did all of them or any of them, I would be uh, <laughs> first day subscriber. So all right, thanks. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so so thanks again so much. Uh, next week we it's just a Peter and I episode. Uh, we're going to be doing uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990, and then finishing up the shortened month with uh, Ninja Three Domination with uh, Dustin and Adam Kosky. The brothers Kosky. Was that f- okay? Yep. <laughs> they asked. They asked to be credited as Dustin and Adam Kosky. <laughs> oh, I see. Now we have um, an opportunity that I can never. Uh, I, I've never uh, had before, which is to say, the brothers Kosky. Yeah. Which. Uh, yeah. Uh, that that fits with our general thing of antagonizing Dustin as much as possible. <laughs> as uh, this might get cut out. But as evidenced by the chat that we had recently where he was just asking us something quick and I decided to turn it into a uh, tunnel of bullshit that he eventually just said, thank you. I'm done with this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Uh, He's the best. Uh, Anyway, so thank you so much, everyone. Uh, We'll see you next week for more motherfucking ninja month. Uh, Have a great night, everyone. See you guys. With karate, I'll kick your ass. Get to Tiananmen Square. Oh, yeah, motherfucker. I'm gonna kick your fucking dairy hair. Yeah, yeah. You broke the rules. Now I pull out all your pubic hair. You motherfucker. You motherfucker. Kaya.
failed to treat me and then he lied, tried to hide And I died deep inside and you know the reason why I'm gonna kick your ass from here to right over there Oh yeah, motherfucker, I'm gonna kick your fucking dairy hand Yeah, yeah, you broke the rules Now I pull out all your pubic hair You motherfucker Hey folks, thanks for listening to We Love to Watch. If you want to get in touch with us, please reach out to us at either our website, wltwpodcast.com, or our Facebook group, facebook.com backslash we love to watch and uh yeah reach out to us give us some feedback give us some support uh, suggest movies for the show all that we are also available on soundcloud tune in stitcher and itunes thanks for listening